Welcome to Finest Work Songs. My name is Matt. My name is also Matt. Matt, I hope you have your bucket of popcorn ready. I always do. (laughs) (laughs) Today is our first ever Oscars episode. Yes. We will be covering the Oscars in little to no detail. Yep. (laughs) I've got my picks here. I'm ready to give out my pick for key grip. If you're talking about the years 1994-95, because that's where we're taking it back to. Yeah, we're taking it in the Wayback Machine. But we figured, you know, with the Oscars coming, people are getting ready. Let's look at a movie that was up for an Oscar Mm -hmm. and why the soundtrack itself should have won one. The soundtrack is just intertwined in such a major part of this movie and this movie experience that you you really can't talk one without the other. That's right. We're talking Problem Child 2. Yes. <laughs> is there a soundtrack for Problem Child 2? Oh, you know there is. I'm going to look it up. All right, here we go. There's probably like four Randy Newman songs on there, it. There is actually a Spotify playlist that someone made. It starts off with Only the Strong Survive by Brian Adams. What's that? Canadian royalty. Oh, yeah. Okay. This is a banger. This is Walking on Sunshine? <laughs> the Canadian version? <laughs> Brian Adams? Walking on Sunshine. <laughs> oh, no. All right. If you thought that was something. Yeah, it was something. Next track on there is Whammer Jammer by the Jay Giles Band. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> Swampy. Jeez. Hey, enjoy Big Thunder Mountain. (laughs) (laughs) So, Problem Child, first of all, I don't know why that popped in my head. (laughs) But I'm so glad it did. I haven't even seen one, but isn't just about a brat? Yeah, it's just kind of a crappy kid who just annoys everybody. That's what we wanted to watch back in the early 90s. (laughs) We were here for it. But you hear that, and you could see that that's when the kid's getting into some shit. Oh, yeah. He's like, you know, putting his dog in the washing machine or something. Matt? 80s, 90s, you got to show that somebody's tough. Right. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. put on their sunglasses with song. Bad to the bone. <laughs> That's it. You got it. There's only one song. Dude, how much has he made off of movies? How much has he made off just that riff? Yeah. <laughs> that one measure. Who was it? Who, gosh, oh, never mind. That's why I asked who was the star of Problem Child 2. Well, now we got to find out. Yeah. And did it have a, a, a subheading, like Problem Child 2, the Brad is back, or something like that? <laughs> Problem Child, 1990. Whoa, they just waited one year. They were like, People can't wait any longer. They shot the movie and basically split it into two. <laughs> when they were done, they were like, is that a wrap? We nope. have 15 hours of footage Let's here. Let's do it all over again. <laughs> People are going to know it's a different story. Now they love it. Now they love it. Uh, a young boy just short of a monster is adopted <laughs> by a loving man and his wacky wife. <laughs> okay. Problem Child 2... Looks like a younger sister enters the... Oh, yeah. You got to throw some oil into that water. Of course, the dad is John Ritter. Of course. Wait, what is the plot? Okay. (laughs) Wait, did his wife die? Because now... (laughs) Wait a minute. Matt, okay. One of you movie nerds out there, correct me. (laughs) Oh, because movie nerds love the problem child multiverse. Here's Here's what it says. It says... That John Ritter returns as the adopted father. Sure. Okay. Amy Yazbek, who was the wife in the first movie, named Flo, mm-hmm. also returns, this time as school nurse Annie Young, who has a daughter <laughs> named Trixie Young, who's also a problem child. 
<laughs> Wait, I know the nerds that love Problem Child 1, they're going to be hip to the fact that the same ladies in Problem Child 2 just playing a different character, right? Yeah, I was kidding when I said they just didn't rap and kept filming. <laughs> they were like, no, 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 this is going to be different. You, you're playing someone else, and you now have a Problem Child. And the movies were released like a year apart? Yeah. Like, no one's going to notice? Well, I mean, 5,000 people <laughs> saw this movie. So. That's incredible. <laughs> Also, no surprise, Gilbert Gottfried's in it. <laughs> it's got to be a solid 45 on Rotten Tomatoes. Let's find out. <laughs> Apparently, we're not doing Pulp Fiction. Yeah, yeah. So, this is just our Oh, yeah, if you tuned in for Pulp Fiction, it's, we've taken a little slight detour. All right, Problem Child 2, 7%. 7? <laughs> wow, I was even generous. Matt, just like we're fans of Problem Child 2, <laughs> there's some fans out there of Finest Work Songs. Good segue. Finest Work fans are so good at engaging with us, sending us emails, hitting us up on social media. Actually, I want to give a, a quick shout out to one listener in particular, Bill okay. Connolly from Newburn, North Carolina. Okay. He tunes into every Epipod. Thanks, Bill. Thanks for tuning in. Really appreciate it. But we also, we get emails from you guys and we got big questions about things. We like to read those emails in a little segment we call Kenny Gmail. So Matt, you know that we have established a little bit of a global following. We're charting really high in Chile. That's right. Um, and we've gotten you know emails from just all over the world. And, and this one came to us from Turkey. So I, I had to translate it. You oh, know. I mean, I'm, I'm fluent in multiple <laughs> languages, so it really didn't take much. So this Kenny Gmail says, Kelly, played by Ashley Green, and Ben, played by Sebastian Stan, participate in a parapsychological experiment at their house. After a short time, strange events begin to occur in their home, and they realize that these strange events were carried out by a supernatural being revealed in the experiment. Their last hope is supernatural expert Patrick, played by Tom Felton. Will Patrick be able to help them, or is it too late to get rid of this terrible power? So someone emailed us that. Yeah. In Turkish. Is this person pitching a movie? Maybe so. I know Sebastian Stan played Tommy Lee in the Pamela and Tommy movie. You that do came know out. that, huh? I do know that. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, and he's also in the, the Marvel movies as well. I don't know this movie off the top of my head, so maybe it is a new. So this person lives in Turkey, yeah. listens to our podcast, yep, or clearly. heard it, yep. Yep. writes us in Turkish. Yep. <laughs> with a movie pitch. Movie Maybe pitch. this person has faith in us that our production can move beyond podcasts to full-length features. Well, yeah. yeah, maybe so. I appreciate the trust. Yeah. Who knows where it goes from here? Maybe some movie producer happens to be flipping through the podcast, listens to this one, mm -hmm. and is like, I want to make that movie. Maybe they'll bring us on to do the soundtrack. That's right. We're going to start with Jay Giles Band. We got to start with some really kick-butt harmonica. Soon as there is a sentimental love scene. We were made to do soundtracks. That's right. You can send us emails at <laughs> finestworksongs at gmail.com and we'll maybe consider it for a future Kenny Gmail segment. Matt, now it's time for share time. I feel awkward saying this again. What? That's not share. Of course it is. It's not share. I realized last time that I was a little off. This is share time. That's Cher. That's not Cher. Who is it? Actually, I, I don't know who that is. <laughs> I tell it to my heart, but... I, you know. <laughs> it's Taylor Dane. Taylor Dane! <laughs> listen to this, and I kid you not, people. <laughs> I typed Taylor Dane into Spotify. Yep. 
hit return, and it immediately said Taylor Swift and then switched wow. to Taylor Dane. The computer is so used to going to Taylor Swift because of my daughter <laughs> that it was like, I gotcha. It was like, well, I know what you meant. And they're like, whoa, whoa, he said Taylor Dane? <laughs> Taylor Dane was big for a hot minute. She was the Taylor Swift of the 80s. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that's clearly how everyone remembers <laughs> yeah, her. That's how she refers to herself <laughs> when she goes on tour at the state fairs. Share time is just an opportunity for us to maybe recommend something that we think is interesting or you bring a little bit of joy or value to your life and just a chance for us to share out something that is top of mind with Matt and I at this time. Matt, what do you got for us today? When we did our last share time, you recommended a TV show, a TV series, The Bear. And we joked about, you know, it wasn't like super, super current one. It's, but it's not that old either. It's I mean, last year. Yeah, right. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, it's still pretty current. Yeah. I'm going way back oh, with mine. So. Y'all seen Friends? <laughs> yeah. You ever heard of Andy Griffin? <laughs> Every time I think going back, you go so much further back. I love it. So it's a show about a talking horse. Okay. <laughs> no, no. The show I want to recommend is a British show from mid-2000s called The IT Crowd. Here we it's go. It's one of those shows that has so many levels to it, so many layers of, of funny. You almost have to go back and rewatch it because there are things you miss. And, and the thing that I appreciate about British TV series, they recognize their, their lifespan. They don't say, oh my gosh, you know, we plan to do this for three seasons but it's doing really well so let's lock in for another five and then you get to the end and it's it's awful they're like no we're doing this there's no syndication right uk office two seasons yep. and then a special in yep. the u.s the star of the show left and they kept going yeah for multiple multiple yeah. seasons so it's just all about money in that yeah. case i love that too it's currently on netflix so Check out the IT crowd. Well, and that's because the Brits know when to quit. Yep. And that's why they lost. Ouch. Yep. Because <laughs> we just kept going. We, just, we were, just we were like, like, we'll ride this out as long as you want. <laughs> so, um, Matt, do you have anything for share time this, this episode? Well, I've gone over that. It's Problem Child 2. Oh, sure. Clear. <laughs> so yep. Good point. You should point. check that out. <laughs> Thanks for joining us this week for share time. <laughs> I don't hear people talking about bodies rocking anymore as much. She said, I could feel my body rock. Yeah. Or I want to rock your body, girl. Yeah, like, that, was, that, that seemed to be a thing. Yeah. Was that like an epidemic in the 80s? <laughs> Maybe. Back when like people were lacing Tylenol in the grocery stores. and What? <laughs> Do you remember that? There was a, talking about a deep cut and pop culture <laughs> reference. <laughs> That's you know, what came into your head. Yeah, right. You remember the 80s? You remember the 80s? Bodies rocking, <laughs> Tylenol lacing. <laughs> Do you remember the, the lace Tylenol no, thing? with yeah. what? Someone had like, I think it was Tylenol. They had to like pull all all the Tylenol from the shelves for like a week because they thought that they had been laced with poison or something. It was a whole thing. Also, this is the 80s. <laughs> so there's no internet. Yeah. You're saying that like the distribution person called every store that sells Tylenol. <laughs> they're like, pull it off the shelves. <laughs> I mean, that would take a week in and of itself <laughs> right. with like an army of people. Yeah. <laughs> Did they call them back? Put it back up. It's fine. <laughs> we were wrong. False alarm. For real though. What are we covering in this epipod? Yes, finally. Our first ever soundtrack epipod. We are talking about Pulp Fiction.
before we jump into this roller coaster ride, <laughs> we like to start with our memories. Matt, what's your memory of Pulp Fiction? Winter break of, of 94. My friend Stan comes home from college. He had been in school down in Georgia, and he's like, you got to go see this movie. He had already seen it like three times, I think, in the theater. Yeah. We drive over to Fayetteville, Cross Creek Mall, which was the closest theater that would have had Pulp Fiction playing. (laughs) First of all, the movie was nothing I'd ever seen before. I had not seen like Reservoir Dogs at that point. Right. So, you know, the whole Quentin Tarantino ethos was brand new to me. So the movie was just mind blowing because it was just a weird combination of extreme violence, extreme vulgarity and clever wordplay between all the characters and stuff. And the plot's just so intriguing. Anyway, the thing that's so instrumental to that movie is the soundtrack and the music. And it's just, I got to think... So many people our age probably came out of that going, I could do soundtracks for a living. Like, <laughs> right. like I, I should curate soundtracks for movies. I still want to do that. Yeah. Like, I was thinking about that the other day, listening to this. I was like, oh, man. Or like I was at the gym and, and some song came on and I was like, oh, man, that's just be a great song to be in a movie at this point in a movie. You know? mm-hmm. And you just think about that kind of stuff and the variety of music styles it was just pretty pretty mind-blowing um it sort of brought back an appreciation of, of surf music too mm-hmm. there was a phase there when i was really young listening to the ventures i love that kind of instrumental surf rock and so that to see that kind of redeemed like oh yeah this, this stuff is cool you know i think it introduced so many artists and genres to so many people that probably wouldn't have paid attention to it otherwise what about you what's your memory of pulp fiction january 95 my freshman year i went to towson university near baltimore and we had what's called a J term, January hmm. term that you could take, which I did not. I didn't go back for spring semester until January 30th. And so I had all of January off. Previous guests, Jeff and Matt Wood, were at Campbell University, Matt, mm-hmm. down here, not too far from yep. where you hail from. That's right. I had time. I just thought, I'll go hang with y'all. We drove into Raleigh off of Hillsborough Street. There was a little movie theater. You remember that? Yep. Long gone. Mm-hmm. Never seen a trailer. Never seen a movie poster. Never seen Reservoir Dogs. No idea what to expect. And it's unlike anything I had ever seen. <laughs> it was so good that the next night we came back and saw it again. Yeah. The thing I walked away feeling is like, I feel like cool has been redefined. Yeah. Or at least solidified mm-hmm. in Samuel L. Jackson. Yeah. We don't have to go on and on about how great the movie is. But yes, we're doing the soundtrack because this wasn't just one iconic song that happened to fit into a movie and make it yeah. big. Or it wasn't hits of the day thrown in. Like you said, it was curated. Yeah. Up to this point, you buy a soundtrack and it starts with Danger Zone. Then there's like the John Williams instrumental version of Danger Zone. (laughs) Right. Then there's like, you know, 15 instrumental songs from the movie. And then if anybody has put on sunglasses in the movie, there's Bad to the Bone. (laughs) And that's not to say that there hadn't been great soundtracks before that, because I think back to the Stand By Me soundtrack, which Absolutely. was unbelievable. I mean, Dirty Dancing. Oh, uh, really? Yeah, but... You I mean, Stand like, By Me, then Dirty Dancing? <laughs> but I'm just thinking, like, that was a soundtrack that, before I could even watch the movie, I had the soundtrack, because it had such great songs on it. Yeah. But, yeah, but those to, are period pieces true. that made use of the songs right. of the day. Right. Whereas this is, like, songs outside of the period. Yeah. They have really no connection to what's going on in the movie no they're not like we're at the beach let's throw a surf song in there oh look jules and Vern are really bad guys play bad to the bone yeah right. quinn's like no i will no i'm not it's doing it's here <laughs> yeah. all right so let's jump in after the initial scene there was the uh miserloo surf rock song that we mm-hmm. heard and then halfway through the credits you hear a radio sound and then this is what comes out at you
Man, what an opening. Yeah. To open a movie with that incredible scene that mm-hmm. ends with people pulling guns out. Yeah. And you're just like, what are we doing? What is this? Yeah. Long opening credits and just the attitude that's set with Jungle Boogie. Some of the most insightful lyrics you will ever <laughs> read. Uh-huh. Get up with the get down. Right. There's some motorboating going on in the background. <laughs> I mean, there's such an attitude with funk. And I've mentioned this before. I think about like you could gather people from different eras. Mm-hmm. And it's like bands against bands. You've got your metal guys up there and they're just going to town. Yeah. It's like speed and aggression yeah. and uh, double bass drums. Yeah. And, it's like, oh, uh, you know. And then you take a funk band. So much more attitude, I think. They're just chill. Listen to this guitar. Okay. Listen in your right ear. It's just this little non-distorted thing strumming. You've got all these horns going, and that guy's just standing there like chilling, doing the same thing the (laughs) entire song. But when you put all that together, there's such attitude. I love it. There's such a level of coolness. Yeah. That's kind of like the underlying word to this whole movie and the soundtrack. Like you said, it redefined and it solidified cool. For years after this, Matt, this would be the dance song I requested. Oh, yes. We were somewhere dancing. It's like Jungle Boogie. You're in a cracker barrel. Hey, can we get Jungle Boogie? Um, (laughs) Can you? Can you play? There's a little bit of weight for the table. (laughs) I'm going to just sit here in the the gift shop and just dance. While I look for Christmas (laughs) knickknacks, I like to get it on. (laughs) I I like to get up with the get down. (laughs) Well, um... (laughs) And then it goes to Jules and Vern in the car. Yep. They get to the apartment, getting the briefcase for their boss, yep. killing these dudes. And Samuel Jackson's iconic Bible quoting yeah. <laughs> murderous yeah. scene. And then from there, we get to the club where mm-hmm. they're delivering the goods. And we see Bruce Willis, but you hear the voice of the boss, Marcellus, and they're playing Let's Stay Together. Since we've been so funny because this is a romantic song oh, yeah. but it somehow captures the vibe in that nightclub in that moment there's thousands of other songs that could have been chosen because the boss marcellus never well except for one time loses his cool yeah right <laughs> so it's almost like that song is his theme song yeah. for that moment and mm-hmm. if you're bruce willis it's like everybody stay calm mm-hmm. let's stay together is one of those truly iconic songs that there's no reason for someone to cover it 
Right. But it's been covered by so many people. But people do. Tina Turner did it. And we talked about that yeah. on our Tina Turner episode. That's right. what kind of was her comeback. Yeah. You've got the usuals who have covered it. You know, Michael Bolton, sure. Boys to Men, Robin Thicke. But also you've got Justin Guarini, a.k.a. Lil Sweet from the Dr. Pepper commercials. <laughs> what? He's recorded it. Maroon 5 have done a version Are you talking about the dude, the little dude? Yeah, yeah. He's really funny. I love those. Yeah, Thanks to our too. sponsor, Dr. Pepper. Thank you. More recently... I did not look up what this sounds like, but the Welsh Raga metal group Dub War did a version of this in 2022. Here we go. How do you spell that? D-U-B space war. You said it was metal? That's what they were described as. From Wales. Okay. Metal, punk, and reggae. Let's see what happens here. Yeah. I'm going to fast forward a little bit. Yeah. It's actually not bad. I kind of like it. I would rather hear that than the regurgitated versions by, you know, Michael, Michael Bolton, Bolton yeah. and Buble. <laughs> That's pretty good. Way to go, Dub War. Yeah, Dub War. I'm sure we'll do a Dub At War. At least one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Can we talk about Samuel L. Jackson for a second? Here's how iconic that character is. I went to the dermatologist last week. What's the dermatologist? <laughs> Skin doctor. Oh, got it. Okay, thank you. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Everything's fine, by the way. I know you're worried you know, about my skin, but everything's good. This particular practitioner is about our age, and somehow we got on the subject of like pop culture in the '90s, and he brings up Pulp Fiction completely unsolicited. Yeah, and he's like, in fact, I went as Samuel L. Jackson for Halloween this year. He's like, I had the suit, the Jerry curl, and I carried a fast food bag with me. Big Kahuna Burger. He said he got annoyed because so many people were like, "Oh, are you Men in Black?" He's like, "No, I'm not Men what? in Black." They didn't have Jerry curls. No, I know Samuel L. Jackson's shtick, if you will, is like the swearing, and I feel like that all kind of had to originate with Pulp Fiction. His level of cool just springboarded from this role in this movie. Oh, for sure. Maybe prior to this, his most iconic line was Jurassic Park, and he says, "Hold on to your butts." Yeah. <laughs> He was the robber in Coming to America. Yep. He definitely had that toughness and yeah. that tough guy thing. But I mean, that's why he's in commercials today is because of Pulp Fiction. Yeah. I'm not saying like that's the only thing he's done. I'm just saying this is what defined him to a generation as the coolest. Mm -hmm. Next, we've got Vincent Vaughn heads over to uh, Marcellus Wallace's place because mm -hmm. he's been tasked with taking out Mia Wallace. Everything is alright. Can I get away again tonight? The only one. 
Unreal. <laughs> Everyone is locked into that vibe. Yeah. Sitting back on the beat, her singing, everything yeah. serves the song. Yeah, I'm always amazed at when English artists can do that sort of bluesy Southern soul as well as they do it, whether it's like the Stones or here with Dusty Springfield. It fits that scene so well. We've seen these cool dudes, and now we get to see Uma Thurman as Mia Wallace. And Quentin said that he probably wouldn't have done that scene if he couldn't have gotten the rights to this song. Hmm. They're getting ready to go out, and they have quite a night ahead of them. Yeah, yeah they do. <laughs> and so they go to that Jackrabbit Slim's place. Mm-hmm. Well, first of all, they talk about this $5 milkshake, yeah. which is funny to think about. because <laughs> I'd kill for a $5 milkshake <laughs> these days. God. Can't if I a... could have one thing. <laughs> yeah. Can't get a Frosty for $5 these days. I remember the, the impact was real. It was like, yeah. $5 for a milkshake? $5 for what? a milkshake. This better be a good milkshake. Yeah. Which is part of the dialogue, yeah, right? that's right. And he's on heroin. He's all out of his mind, right. which John Travolta. Can we talk about that? I was trying to think of an example for a younger generation of somebody who was made cool again. Reinvented. Here's the thing. After that, it was compared to John Travolta's comeback. Mm-hmm. And this wasn't a comeback, but when Jim Carrey did Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless right. Mind, it was right. like, oh, he's doing serious. Look acting. at that. When people step into something yeah. serious and very yeah. cool or mm-hmm. different, alter, indie, yeah. when people yeah, yeah. kind of take an indie step. But I mean, John Travolta was done yeah look who's talking was it michael where he was like a the angel or something like an angel yeah he's and... on his way to become michael landon yeah he would have been on like lifetime movies right. and, and right. that sort of thing he's not only a hitman but he gets his dance scene which makes us all yep. remember how cool he is yeah, he's got the ponytail and the suit and it brought him back what would be a modern equivalent of that i brought up a list here and one that they mentioned is robert downey jr yeah our kids generation like iron man's cool and, and yeah. so he's great But I mean, he was arrested over and over again in prison, in rehab. Mm -hmm. The difference is that wasn't like he did bad movies. Right. Like John Travolta. Yeah, yeah. It was just he's clean and he can do this. Mm -hmm. Think about someone like Rob Lowe, who when we Mm -hmm. were kids was your teenage heartthrob, well-publicized, hidden camera situation with a minor. Gosh, man. He wouldn't be coming back today from that. And our kids know him from Parks and Rec. I love that Quentin Tarantino... I imagine it was him. Mm-hmm. He's like, no, this guy's cool. We've forgotten it, but yeah. I'm going to show you how he is. Right. In a different generation, too. Yeah. Man, oh, on yeah. and on. We could go on yeah. and on. They get up for the twist contest. They get ready. There's tension built in Chuck Berry. It was a teenage wedding and the old folks wished him well. You could see that Pierre did truly love the mademoiselle. And now the young monsieur and madame from the chapel bell. Say la vie, say the old folks, it goes to show you never can tell. They furnished off an apartment with a two-room robot sale. The coolerator was crammed with TV dinners and ginger ale. But when Pierre found work, the little money coming worked out well. Say la vie, say the old folks, Show you 
The movie's 30 years old. Chuck Berry was old then. Kind of passe to a lot of people, I'm sure. Again, it's Tarantino reintroducing something from the past and, and making it cool again. Not that Chuck Berry's He's never not cool. been cool. Yeah. Just reminding us in some way. Yeah, because you don't you don't get the Beatles without Chuck Berry. You don't get no. Elvis without Chuck Berry. You don't I get mean, rock and roll. You don't get rock and roll, period, without Chuck Berry. I mean, again, it's just another amazing use of a song in this movie. This is the equivalent of a friend making you a mixtape and putting on a song that you think, how have I forgotten this song? Right. That's what it feels with yeah. almost all of these songs. All these songs. You know? <laughs> I don't think we'll do a Chuck Berry epipod right. because that was before really albums, mm-hmm. which the argument has been made. If you could have taken the singles and if he had made an album, mm-hmm. it would be up there with the top selling. That's a very good argument. This song was written in prison, Matt. Oh, wow. It's the late 50s. Yeah. It was for violating the Man Act, and it's that he took a minor over state lines. And he spent time in jail. Oh. Kind of wonder what that did to his career. Although, you also kind of wonder, I mean, his later hits was like my dingling <laughs> in the 70s. <laughs> yeah. You know, music was moving on yeah. in terms of what the Beatles were doing right. and all that. Matt, this song has been covered a few times. Okay. The first cover I want to play for you is from the late 70s. Amy Lou Harris oh. had a hit on the country charts. So that's fun. <laughs> Another cover of it, Matt, was by uh, Loggins and Messina. Oh. A little Yacht Rock yeah. cover here. <laughs> yes. You can see So there's Gosh. that. But here's the one I'm excited to okay. share with you. Bruce Springsteen. <laughs> Every night we try, we try to pull one out that we haven't played since we were. This know, is 2013 okay. in Leipzig, Germany. Okay. So they pulled out You Never Can Tell. But here's the thing. It's got a good key. They haven't practiced it or know how to play it. Oh, good. <laughs> so, okay, there's that. He's talking to little Steven. <laughs> All right, let's fast forward a little bit because okay, they're trying to figure to it out. Pull together. They're trying to figure it out. Yeah. He changes guitars. Sure. It's a minute and a half in. <laughs> they're in a stadium. People have paid like yeah. 200 bucks for tickets for this. These guys are like, really? really? All right. All right, fast forward some more. We're at two minutes. He's still doing this. The crowd's the crowd's like, in. Uh, we'll help you out. Yeah. <laughs> Matt, it goes on for nine minutes. There you go. Okay. But it's so funny that Bruce is like, oh, we'll figure it out. Yeah, I'm going to home it for you. <laughs> As it comes together, if you're in the crowd, are you like, oh, heck yeah. Or are you like, really? 2013. How many of those people are like, oh, yeah, we're all familiar with Chuck Berry's catalog. Yeah, this right. is going to be great. <laughs> yeah. 
but also Bruce was like, I'm playing for five hours here. Yeah. I'll do whatever I'll I do want. Whatever I want. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Bruce going to Bruce. It never fails. <laughs> Great scene. The dancing is yeah. iconic. I it mean, is. You can't separate the two. They won the trophy. They get back. She puts this song on. Tarantino was so specific with the songs and the original versions of songs. I'm curious why he went with the Urge Overkill version. It's really weird. What was it about? It's pretty verbatim to the original. I mean, it's not a huge departure. I'd love to know the thought process on that. Agreed. But again, like what the song did was it introduced a whole new generation to the song. I didn't know Neil Diamond wrote the song. No, I didn't. I mean, I know Neil Diamond wrote so many hits for so many other people as well. Right. So that wasn't surprising that this would be a hit. But we remember they're coming to America. That was our Neil Diamond experience as kids. Urge Overkill. Yeah, they were kind of on the indie fringes. Mm -hmm. But Matt, they opened for Nirvana on the Nevermind tour. Wow. And then they opened for Pearl Jam on the Versus tour. Wow. And it does not seem like that makes sense. No, it doesn't. The Nevermind was pre-Pulp Fiction. Yeah, that's true. We were missing something, apparently. Yeah. Matt Wood, previous guest Mm -hmm. on our Teenage Fan Club, and voice of the theme song. One song that we used to play and just die laughing over was the song called The Stalker. Okay. I'm going to play you just a little this bit. Ur- this is Urge Overkill? Yeah, this is Urge Overkill. <laughs> I mean that that noisy sloppy sound. I could see where that would fit like a Nirvana audience. I That's mean, true. That's I mean, true. like if you go back and listen, like in in utero and sort of early Nirvana, you're like, okay, I, I could see that. It's yeah. sloppy and feedback and. That's right. Yeah. Girl, you'll be a woman soon. It doesn't make sense. <laughs> it's so clean. What are you doing? But yeah. the stalker. The stalker. <laughs> yeah. Which the lyrics are just weird. It's a stalker song, but oh that, the way they yell "stalker" kills us. <laughs> 
Matt, we can't talk about the movie and not talk about the fact that Pulp Fiction was up for best picture against what? It was uh, Four Weddings and a Funeral. Naturally. Shawshank Redemption. Strong. Quiz Show. Oh, wow. And Forrest Gump. That's a strong lineup right yeah. there. And Forrest Gump came home with the win. Okay. Good soundtrack. Yes. In a different way. Very period yep. facing. Here's what you could say. Good soundtrack. Less inspired. Sure. We're showing hippies. Oh, let's do San Francisco. Exactly. <laughs> That's know. exactly it. The one exception for me is when they picked Sloop John B. Yeah. By the Beach yeah. Boys. I remember thinking like you could have picked a lot of different songs. And yep. I'm sure there were others, but it was a double CD soundtrack. Oh, yeah. Which looking back, Matt, do you think do you think the right choice was made? For a movie? Yeah. Forrest Gump seems like a movie that you would love. Yeah, I did love it. I did. I remember seeing it in the theater and crying. Sure. Take some time to step back away from it. And you think there's some definite hokiness to it. Oh, um, for sure. I think the concept of it is still pretty clever. This guy who meanders through life and is, is present for so many major events. And it feels like it just appealed to America. Yeah. Message of humanity. And- right hope and lighthearted fun and yeah. isn't this neat to see a simpleton yeah. <laughs> go through it appealed to a lot of people i'm not sure my parents would love pulp fiction oh no no no, 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 <laughs> yeah. no. from box office standpoint i mean it crushed yeah. Oh, yeah. pulp fiction oh, yeah. was it the best picture probably not or was it a really beloved picture i think that's a good way of putting it oh it inspired a whole chain of mediocre seafood restaurants did you ever eat at one how american is this i ate at the bubba gumps in the mall of america yes <laughs> that's it by myself i was there for work and and they had got like 15 inches of snow the day before my hotel was about a half mile from the mall of america i was like eh, i'm not driving downtown for this i'll just go check this place out and how was it well you would imagine it was seafood in the mall of america seafood in the mall of america overlooking a roller coaster <laughs> it's <was> beautiful <laughs> We haven't talked about Bruce Willis. He was still cool, but he wasn't this cool. No. He was mainstream cool. Yeah. And now he's in Pulp Fiction. Right. But he's driving the car, and the Statler brothers are playing. Yes. And he's singing along. Oh, man. I keep hearing you're concerned about my happiness. But all that thought you're giving me is conscience, I guess. If I were walking in your shoes, I wouldn't worry enough. You and your friends are worried about me I'm having lots of fun Galloping flowers on the wall That don't bother me at all Playing solitaire till dawn With the deck of 51 Smoking cigarettes and watching Captain Kangaroo Now don't tell me I've nothing to do we always try to somehow make connections to our home states, and this is one for you here. From Stanton, Virginia. Not Staunton. No, don't do that. <laughs> one of my best friends, Matt Medeiros, is from Stanton. Oh, nice. And so he grew up with Sons of the Stylers, and they had their American Freedom event. Festival, or yeah, whatever it was called. Every yeah. year, and he said they'd go out to it, he and his family. That's awesome. The thing that we always laugh about is he said one time, I think they were going by, and his mom said, our boys. <laughs> <laughs> like the pride that they the have in the Statler nice. in Stanton. This isn't Chuck Berry. No. Or this is Dusty a, Springfield. Or even like John Travolta. They're not cool. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know, it's still not cool. I like the Captain Kangaroo part yeah, yeah. and everything. But yeah. if this song came on the radio and it was not connected to Pulp Fiction, you'd change it. Yeah. You'd be yeah, like, yeah. oh man, this oh. high voices are really annoying. Yeah. <laughs> that baritone. Yeah. Dream. America thought he was hilarious. <laughs> he was like a walking hee-haw. <laughs> He was like Michael Winslow before Michael Winslow. <laughs> yeah. TNN with the Statler Brothers show, eight years in the 90s, 
And it was their top-rated program every year. Nice. America loves the Statler Brothers. <laughs> There's a lot of redemption for them because they backed up Johnny Cash. That's a level of cool. They lost the cool when they left singing for Johnny Cash <laughs> because that's when they got into the 70s and, yeah. you know, getting into just like... The kind of milk toast gospel country sounds. But you look at their awards, they won like top vocal group at the CMAs eight years in a row. Nobody has a chance no. against the Statler Brothers. The mind of Quentin Tarantino, he had a reason for this song, and it works beautifully. And it's so iconic, because Bruce Willis is like singing along. Singing along with it. But then he sees Marcellus and hits him with the car. Yeah, that's right. Which goes into a run of unfortunate events. Yes, it does. That we won't get into. No, it's a family <laughs> podcast. Yeah. Now is the time when we challenge one another. If you had to remove a song, which one would it be? And so... Uh, Quentin Tarantino. <laughs> What's he going to do oh to gosh. us? You're going to have to go on a road trip with Quentin Tarantino. The stereo is broken. <laughs> you just have to listen to him talk, which if you've heard him talk, yes. you wouldn't last long. No. Uh, if you don't remove a song from the soundtrack. Mm. Here's the twist with the soundtrack, Matt. If you remove a song, you're also removing the scene. Mm. The song is in. So if you had to, Matt, which one would it be? Mine would be, if love is a red dress, hang me in rags. Love is a red dress. Well, hang me in rags. All right, Matt, that also means you are removing the pawn shop scene. <laughs> Think carefully. Is that the scene that you would not like to see? <laughs> Yikes. Mine is the same. Same. Same reason. All yeah. right, next, it's time for your senior quote. You're a senior under your picture. You get to put a quote that represents the memories you've made, the exciting journey you have ahead, mm-hmm. or some quote from Pulp Fiction. Yeah, that you and your, your bros yeah. giggle at. Yep. You're picking a senior quote from the soundtrack. So that includes the talking parts. That was a big one for me because I've listened through this trying to think of a good senior quote. Towards the end, we get to one of the dialogue tracks. Yep. It hit me so hard because this movie comes out in 1994, graduated high school in 1993. In my senior superlative, I was voted best personality. All right. So I had to go with... I can get behind that. Personality goes a long way. I ain't even nothing. Ain't got sense enough to disregard his own feces. How about a dog? Dog eats his own feces. I don't eat dog either. Yeah, but do you consider a dog to be a filthy animal? I wouldn't go so far as to call a dog filthy, but they're definitely dirty. But dogs got personality. Personality goes the wrong way. Matt, I can get behind that. Best personality? Last week we talked about Caleb being on here. He was most friendliest. Most friendly. The friendliest. Yeah, yeah. he got best personality. Best personality. I, didn't, <laughs> I didn't get either of those. Surprise. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> What about you? What's, what's your senior quote? From Son of a Preacher Man, mine would be, being good isn't always easy, no matter how hard I try. <laughs> That's good. That's perfect. You can engage with us on social media at Twitter and Instagram at Finest Work Songs. You can also find us on Facebook. Check out our website, finestworksongs.com. And be sure to send us emails, finestworksongs at gmail.com. And maybe we'll read one of your emails in a future Kenny Gmail segment. And I would be remiss if I didn't mention the collector's edition of this soundtrack features Rumble by Link Ray from Dunn, North Carolina. Another son of Dunn. Son of Dunn. Link Ray. We'll take you out with this one. See you next time.
Our theme song is by the incredible band Medium Heat. This track is called Radio, and you should check them out at mediumheat.bandcamp.com. And check out any upcoming shows if you are in the Raleigh area. They are on Facebook at Medium Heat Music. <laughs> 